This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. When it comes to women's rights with respect to their reproduction, I think you should leave it to women. Nobody likes abortion, okay? But you can't tell somebody what to do. I mean, she has rights over this, especially if she doesn't like the guy that got her pregnant, especially if she were raped and all this. We have so many more important things to be dealing with. We have so many more problems. To squander resources on this argument based on bad science, on just lack of understanding, At some point, we have to respect the facts. Recommending or insisting on abstinence has been completely ineffective. Not giving women access to birth control has not been an effective way to lead to healthier societies. So I just really encourage you to not tell women what to do and not pursue these laws that really are in nobody's best interest. Tell everyone in this room that abortion is a murder. It is the murder of a human being. I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to show it to you in the Word. I want to prove it to you with science. I want to just lay it before you and say abortion is murder. And and it's a holocaust like the world has yet to see. In fact, just to put it in perspective, Stalin was guilty of murdering 40 million of his own countrymen, Hitler, 30 million human beings, and the United States, since Roe versus Wade, not globally, but the United States, has blown past both of those brothers and have made them look angelic as we have slaughtered wholesale 55 million little boys and little girls. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. I'm quite sure that you're aware of that the world that we live in is full of spinning things. We spin everything. For example, it is called now a woman's right to reproductive health. And that's an outright lie as far as I'm concerned. It is not the truth. It's a bull-faced lie. So that brings me to St. Paul, Minnesota, who recently, their city council, had something to say about abortion. In fact, they have assigned a day of appreciation for abortion providers in that city, and that day was March 10, 2020. This just shows how people in government just disregard the overall welfare of society as a whole. St. Paul, Minnesota has traditionally been known as a Catholic city, and these seven city council members decided to make this day an abortion provider appreciation day in light of the fact that the majority of the religious people in that city are Catholic, as we all know Catholics have been known to be opponents of abortion. So today I want to talk about this idea of this culture of death that has permeated all of society, We are totally, at times, unaware of what our city councils are doing. And so with me today is a gentleman that I have back from time to time who is certainly opinionated and would probably have something to say about this ordeal in St. Paul, Minnesota. Chris Hebe from Chosen People Ministries. Chris, I know 
this has probably riled you up like it has me because I don't understand how they can be so arrogant to think that they could do something like this and have no ramifications whatsoever. Well, Larry, I was so shocked by what you told me. I said it had to be fake news. No government in so-called Christian America is going to have a a celebration of abortion. You know, the thing is, you had to send it to me, and both you and I checked it, and we found out it was for real, that we're going to celebrate abortion. And I thought, I didn't know you could actually do that. By the way, and for our listeners here, people probably forget that when God finally blew a gasket with Solomon in 1 Kings 11, when he told him he was going to tear the kingdom away from him, but not in his lifetime because of his love for David, He was going to do it because Solomon had erected offering sites, pagan offering sites, to Ashtaroth, to Molech, and they were for human sacrifice. Now, if you remember, when God was livid with Israel, it was for idolatry and pagan practices. Now, Solomon, for the guy that was supposed to be the wisest guy in history outside of the Lord Jesus, he obviously went insane and didn't he have 600 wives and 300 porcupines? I mean, concubines. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, yeah. So, so 700 concubines and 300 wives, but that's well, okay. Who's the, counting, right, after two? Yeah, the, the bottom line is, Solomon went insane, and he gave in to the cultural pressure, which happened to be his wives, to let them sacrifice to their idols, to their pagan idols, which was human sacrifice, their babies, okay? Now, I could not find a Hebrew word for abortion per se, but in my studies from conservative rabbis, abortion and child sacrifice are the same thing. What you say about Solomon is so good. Before we continue, though, I want to go back to this decision by the St. Paul City Council, because I think it's very important. One of the proponents that wrote in an op-ed article in the St. Paul Pioneer Press said this. Her name is Stacy Burns. She is an abortion rights advocate, and she took the side of the council by supporting it. And she said that this whole idea of sponsoring this day of appreciation was basically in relationship to a Dr. David Gunn, who was an abortion provider. He was murdered on March 10th, 1993 in Pensacola, Florida. So isn't it interesting that Dr. Gunn was murdered because he was an abortion provider? And isn't that what abortion does all the time is killed? And so now in honor of his death, and we are giving honor to those that provide death for the unborn. It just seems hypocritical to me. You're right. It's virtually an oxymoron. It's such a conundrum. And the gentleman who happened to kill the guy is in prison for life. And he should be because, again, you don't get to take someone else's life because you disagree with them. 
Having said that, when I read that article, Larry, I looked at it. Did you know that the council had seven members? Correct. And did you know what they, the vote was? Seven Se- to zero. In, in fact, Chris, I'm going to just play this clip, which is about 23 seconds, of all the time they gave to this appreciation resolution. 23 seconds, Chris. That was all that it took for seven people to say they agreed to it or passed it. Item number one, resolution 20-416, recognizing March 10th, 2020, as Abortion Providers Appreciation Day in St. Paul to honor the memory of Dr. David Gunn and the many other abortion providers and clinic staff face who support women's reproductive choices. Um, Ms. Nicker is moving a version two with just a technical change in Legistar. Um, any discussion on that motion? Seeing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion prevails. Seven in favor, no one opposed. The resolution is adopted as amended. So what do you think about that, Chris? If I had a spare $1,000 and I don't, I would have bet it. There's no way it's going to be seven to nothing. There has to be someone with a conscience on that board. Well, I don't think so because... So much of this idea of abortion or a woman's reproductive health issue is spun in such a way that it's about the health of the woman. She has a right to her own reproductive health. And there's no debate about that in the liberal left-leaning people in society. That's her right. It is the litmus test of the far left. There are states that have passed laws that will virtually prevent women from having access to reproductive health care. And it is not an exaggeration to say women will die. Poor women, women of color will die because these Republican legislatures in these various states who are out of touch with America are telling women what to do with our bodies. Women are the majority of the population in this country. People need to keep their hands off of women's bodies and let women make the decisions about their own lives. Again, Larry, I'm in such disbelief of how far our society has come. I watched a clip, Larry, where a lady, she made a handmade t-shirt that said, I've had 23 abortions and I'm proud of it. You're right, Chris, but abortion advocates are fighting hard to convince the public that their fight is justified and noble. Yet you will notice that their fight is always about the rights of the woman and never about the rights of a child. Shouldn't all parties who are involved in a pregnancy be included in a decision such as an abortion, especially the child whose life is at stake? As I play this next clip, I want you to notice who these advocates don't want coming to the table in this debate. Number one, they don't want religion involved. And number two, they don't want legislators involved either. In essence, they're saying, just leave us alone to govern our bodies. We want, above all things, the right over our reproductive organs, and no one will legislate or condemn us to do differently. What if you could stop a terrible injustice from happening in one woman's life? What if you could change the lives, the future, the world for millions of women across the globe? Every day. Every day. Every day. Governments all over the world, including the United States, deny millions of women their fundamental reproductive rights. Their attacks on reproductive rights are attacks on our human rights. My rights. Your rights. Everybody's rights. We've got to put a stop to this. We've got to take back what's ours. We've got to draw the line. And we are. 
Every day. Every day. Every day. The Center for Reproductive Rights fights for women worldwide. We're in the courts shutting down government's attacks on women and their doctors. We're at the United Nations leading the charge to expand the rights of women around the globe. And to seek justice for women who have suffered because their rights were denied. We're fighting to make sure that all pregnant women get the care that they need. To keep contraception affordable and accessible to all. To protect everyone's right to make our own decisions about our reproductive health and future. To keep religion out of the debate about reproductive rights. And to keep politicians out of our doctor's offices and out of our private lives. We're fighting for fundamental human rights. My rights. My rights. My rights. Our rights. Everybody's rights. This fight of theirs is intellectually dishonest because it never takes into consideration the life of other human beings involved in the pregnancy. The rights all belong to the woman. And in our age of inclusion, isn't that a bit hypocritical to isolate and favor one human over another? This abortion issue is an issue of hate, plain and simple. Killing people is always an issue of hate. Abortion advocates who fight for the right of a woman to abort her child are really just advocating for women to hate their child. This is the ultimate form of a hate crime. Why aren't we identifying it as such? Larry, again, I couldn't believe when you told me that they're going to be celebrating it. It is shouting from the rooftops, abortion is a gift. Abortion is a hallelujah moment, and I don't get it. And so if we squander the life-giving gift that God gave us, and that's what he gave men and women. As a matter of fact, Eve's name is actually Isha, which means life giver. And and I've talked to numerous women that have had abortions, and they said it is a permanent emotional trauma. Well, I have discovered that as well through my relationship with several ministries that are post-abortive related. You're right, Chris, it does have that ramification. You know, I just read an article by someone who talked about our age in which we live is an age of entire Entitlement. We're entitled, you know, and abortion providers are entitled to provide a service for women who want it done. I'm not sure that is the right thought because where that leads is that what happens if I want to die? Will you help me die? Will you help me end my life? And so we just perpetuate this idea, this age of entitlement in our culture to a culture of death. We're entitled to pretty much do what we want with human beings, whether it's in the womb or whether we're just old. We can just decide at whatever point that we can end it. Now, Chris, I want to just transition just for a few minutes about this ordeal in St. Paul. You and I had a conversation on the phone, which turned out to this podcast that we're doing because both of us were incensed over the fact that not much will come of it. Most Christians will say, yeah, isn't it terrible? They may pontificate for a while, like we did on the phone, how terrible this is and so forth and so on. But what do we do about it? That's really the bottom line for me. If we were able to get the church to rise up and say enough of this culture of death, and begin to be proactively involved in bringing a message of life 
to our society and resist this culture of death, I think we would do better for society as a whole, but we don't. Well, Larry, those seven people should get voted out of office because they collectively said, we are the conscience of half a million people of St. Paul. And Larry, I'm sorry, I can't comprehend that more than half of those people would vote for a holiday or a whatever you want to call it day. Well, it's a recognition day. Yeah. Larry, think about it. Half a million people, I don't know. You put 10 people in a room, I would say about six out of 10 would say, okay, you know what? It's the way it is. You know, abortion is going to be abortion. Let's just move on. But if you were to ask those 10 people, are we going to vote to acknowledge this as a good thing or it's great or some kind of celebration, like I said? I don't think you could get more than four people to say that. I'm sorry. So if I had my druthers and I was a influential clergy in St. Paul, I would definitely make a point to get the names of those council members and try to get them voted out of office. I like the idea that you said that these seven people became the conscience of St. Paul, Minnesota, which I don't believe that they can do that, and yet they have. Now, follow my train of thought here. It almost seems as if when we do a compromise, whatever that compromise is, with morality especially, I think if you follow that back to, say, for example, when the Bible talks about rebellion is the same sin as witchcraft. And compromise is the same word, really. It's a rebellion against something that is right. So the compromise of sanctity of life is the same as the rebellion against life, which is a sin of witchcraft. Think about that. Think about what that says, that we're actually buying into a evil proposition. Witchcraft is evil, which means we're actually approving an evil proclamation or celebration, as you're saying. Larry, people forget that Jesus gave one of the greatest threats he's ever given, and that was to people that mess with little children. He said it'd be better off that they were never born. It'd be better off if they had a millstone throw around their neck. It's like an anchor, an oversized anchor around your neck. Obviously, it's going to to bring you down to the bottom of the depths of the ocean. You know, Larry, you and I talked about it months ago on a show. If you look at the Ten Commandments where it says, thou shalt not steal, we took for granted it meant, you know, paper clips, gasoline, money, whatever. The primary term there in the Hebrew is kidnapping. Stealing a person's life for slavery, for sexual trafficking. That's what was taking place. It takes place today in Africa in a unbelievably large scale. And I never hear any of Hollyweird complain about it. It's in the millions. Okay, so we're destroying ourselves. We are basically committing suicide on this planet. And I can see why, when I read the book of Revelation, why Jesus says, I'm going to handle the judgment of earth by myself. And he is in charge of this horrific judgment that God's wisdom will prevail, that the holiness, the righteousness of God will prevail. And that's not what is taught, that Jesus is going to be a righteous lion unleashed 
on this planet. And if you look at the numbers, I think 4 billion people are going to die. And that's just the first judgment, Larry. I mean, that seems so negative, Chris, that modern Christianity cannot handle that figure. There's no way, because here's the deal. When pastors have to preach on a Sunday morning, for example, the last thing they want to do is create an environment by which people are fearful. They want people walking out of their congregations with a ray of hope not a condemnation of fear and shame. And that, though, is, I think, part of what we're missing in today's churches is the fear of God. There is this element that God Almighty is going to judge the world for the sin that the world has endorsed, like the city council in St. Paul has endorsed sin that steals people's lives from them. We're stealing children's lives. That's stealing their right to live. That's called murder. You remember, Larry, and you're better at this than I am, there is a scripture that is very profound because it's so short and to the point. The fear, the terror, the awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we don't have it. In conclusion today, Chris, I think we have to leave people with the hope that God gives to us. You know, when I read the Ten Commandments recently, I actually I committed them to memory again. It is a great reminder of God's expectations of how we live our lives. And I would suggest our audience just take a time to read them and, and commit them to memory because so much of our world has violated the first two commandments, which is, you know, putting gods before him and creating idols and so forth. And abortion and those kinds of things are idols in our society because they're more important than God himself. And I think that's how we have to begin to reshape our society after a Judeo-Christian value of the Ten Commandments. Amen, Larry. And as believers, we need to reevaluate every day. As a society, we are beginning to look at the intentional ending of human life as a means of solving problems. Could be uh, assisted suicide, a means of solving the problem of human suffering. Mm -hmm. So it, we're getting to a place where eliminating suffering is becoming the purpose of society, and then that morphs very quickly into eliminating the sufferer. Uh, it may be a woman who has a pregnancy that is uh, not wanted, and the solution is to terminate that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And of course, it, it just moves into, into other areas as well. And, and the, the problem with it isn't only that uh, people are losing their lives mm. as a consequence, but we are losing the concept of human exceptionalism, the idea that being human being matters morally simply and merely because we are human. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.